if you think catastrophizing about your business is damaging, if you think it might be the worst thing you could be doing with your time right now, then you'd be right. Listen in to this episode to find out more and how you can move away from this little gremlin that's living in your purpose-led business. Hello, hello, and welcome to April's episode of the Self-Sabotage to Success podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this month, and I'm very excited about today's episode. It's something that comes up a lot, and yet for some reason I haven't dedicated a specific episode to it. So I think you're going to find this one really insightful Maybe even you might have one of those penny drop moments that my clients tell me that they get sometimes when we discuss this particular issue. So I hope as well that you find it really valuable and that you are also coping okay with the change of this podcast from weekly to monthly. I have been looking at my stats and I'm getting more downloads than ever, which is really surprising. I seem to be getting new listeners who are coming in and listening to the archives. But I'm also conscious that some of you out there might be missing the weekly format. If that's the case and you'd like to chat about us working together, then do remember to click on the link in the show notes. Send me an email, lucy at lucyorton.com, or you can go to my Calendly link directly, which is calendly.com forward slash lucyorton, and you can book onto one of my complimentary anti-self-sabotage calls, our self-sabotage breakthrough calls. And we can really talk through what it is that you are struggling with, where you'd like some extra support with your mindset and the different ways that we might work together. Also, if you work currently for an organization, I know some of my listeners are not business owners, even though that's my focus on this podcast. But if you do work for an organization and you are a leader or you can refer me to someone in your HR department or your leadership team, then I'd be very happy to talk to you or them about my corporate coaching packages. Well, with that in mind, let's talk about something which comes up a lot in my coaching, whether that's corporate coaching or whether that's with business owners. And that is why, as the title said, catastrophizing is the worst thing you can do for yourself, for your business and for a life of purpose and joy. So in today's episode, I'm going to be pulling apart this idea of catastrophizing. If you haven't heard of that term before, I'll be explaining exactly what I mean by it. And I'll also be talking about why it is so damaging, why it's something that I want to iron out really early on when I'm working with my clients. And importantly, what we should be doing instead, instead of having our mindset polluted by this issue of catastrophizing. And of course, the title I've chosen for this week's episode is supposed to be ironic. It's supposed to be overdramatic. It's supposed to catastrophize because using a word like worst is very, very linked with the concept of catastrophizing. And I've done that to just kind of jolt people's thinking about 
what catastrophizing means and what effect it can have on us. And I'll talk a little bit about language specifically a bit later on in the episode. So what is catastrophizing? Well, I think the word itself can conjure up lots of ideas. And as soon as I say that word to clients that I work with or on workshops or to leaders in organizations, they they roughly know what I mean. But they may not have heard that term before or connected it to what is a thought process. And it's something where we really zoom in on that worst case scenario. We link something that we're doing or thinking about doing or wanting to do or not wanting to do, linking it to a chain of events that are going to bring us to a conclusion that is really unpleasant, that is really difficult, that is really life-changing and not in a good way. And an example of this could be being a few minutes late for a meeting. So we can start to tell ourselves a story that if we're two minutes late for a meeting, maybe this is for a business pitch, maybe this is for a presentation, maybe this is just actually for a meeting with friends. It can sometimes be be that small. We can start to tell ourselves a story about how that is going to impact us, how that's going to play out with the other person or the other people involved, and how that's going to negatively impact on us. So we can start to think if I'm late the other person is going to think I'm unprofessional they're going to think I don't have my shit together they're going to think I'm not the right person for the job or the investment in the business or whatever it is and then very swiftly we can zoom ourselves out of that present case scenario which is just being a couple of minutes late into thinking and then I'm going to find that my business fails because I can never do this kind of thing. It becomes a pattern or this person tells everyone else that I'm a complete flake and I lose confidence and I go and I tell my team that I no longer want to create this business anymore and I end up homeless and on the street. And Yes, that can sound a little bit ridiculous, but it is the pattern that I've noticed when I talk to people about catastrophizing. And I know from personal experience that before I entered the world of positive psychology, before I became a coach, years ago, I used to struggle a little bit with catastrophizing too. And as soon as I heard that term, it rang so many bells for me. It felt so familiar to the kind of rabbit hole I could take myself down, where one small error or issue or difficulty could be extrapolated into something way, way bigger than its sum parts and completely unlikely and catastrophic. Before I knew the term, before I even knew there was a name for something called catastrophic thinking or catastrophizing. I actually had created a name myself. This was way, way years and years ago before I was doing any of this work. But I used to have a word myself, which was called scenarioizing, which is a less jazzy version of of the same thing. But I didn't realize it was something that other people did, that it was a phenomenon of sorts in, in terms of psychology. And therefore, it was more tough to deal with. You know, as I've talked about on the podcast before, when we name something, when we recognize something, when we see that it is a quirk of our thinking, of our thought processes that is shared with others, that is not just unique to ourselves, 
we start to take away its power. And I think I was doing that by using my term scenarioizing, but it was even more powerful when I realized this was a line of thought that many people go through and many people struggle with. And when it's left untreated or unacknowledged, you know, when people don't realize this is something actually relatively normal that our brain is trying to protect us, but maybe doing that in a counterproductive way, we can shift away from it. We can move ourselves away from that type of thinking. And it won't be the same for everyone. But I know that for me, when I recognized catastrophic thinking and noticed myself then doing it, I actually found it a little bit funny. I, it took away some of that gravity. It allowed me to treat my catastrophizing tendency with more lightness, with more ability to think, I can push past this. It's not the end of the world. For example, let me just talk to you a little bit about something which is happening to me right this second. I don't know if you can hear, but in the background, there is some sort of lawnmower or aeroplane, I really don't know, maybe you can hear it, maybe you can't, going on in the background. And I think a previous version of me that was less committed to an imperfectionism approach, to an imperfect podcast, to an imperfect way of showing up in the world, would have really struggled with that, would have started to catastrophize and think, I mean, it really is getting louder if you can hear it. I don't know if you can, I'll test it back later. I would have thought, well, this is making me sound really unprofessional. I need to stop. I need to find myself a padded cell to create this podcast so that it's perfect because otherwise all of these other things are going to happen and it's not going to be good. And what I find really interesting about catastrophizing, like so much of the anti-self-sabotage work that I do, is that the opposite doesn't come very easily to us. We don't often sit and scenarioize, to use my word, in a positive way. We don't think, hey, this great thing could happen. I could make this great decision to cross the road and go into that coffee shop. And that could lead to meeting someone who becomes very fundamentally important to my life and my business and becomes a really positive influence in my life and we could end up creating a project together or working on something that began to make a huge impact and create lots of revenue we just don't do it it doesn't come naturally so we have to be really mindful of catastrophizing because it will stand alone in our brain and make us think about the worst case scenarios And if we can recognize that it is a quirk of our brain, of our psychology, and something that we don't have to struggle with forever, something that we don't have to put up with and we can stop and we can act against and actively create insurances that protect us from it, then we are able to really move into that empowered mindset that will help us so much in our lives and in our business. So on that note, let's talk about what it is that makes catastrophizing or having these catastrophic thought processes so damaging and so unhelpful. Well, to start with, it's a pretty unpleasant way to spend your time. I have an amazing client who I've been working with for a little while who has really had a mic drop moment about this where she has realized that she's been filling the gaps between A and Z, where she is now and where she's going. And she's been filling it with catastrophic thinking, with playing out the worst case scenario and draining herself of energy and of joy in the process. So as well as that being unpleasant and not fun and something that we really do want to avoid in our lives and in our business, 
It also negatively impacts our performance. It can lead to burnout. It can take our energy away from our zone of genius and from doing the best that we can. And it can also make us filled with anxiety. Something called anticipatory anxiety is when we worry about something in our future in anticipation of it happening. And it doesn't help us when we get there to have this anxiety practice out. It doesn't help us to have anticipated all the worst ways that things could go wrong. It just weakens us and makes us less secure when the event comes, less filled with positive self-esteem, less filled with potentials that could go right. Instead, we have filled that limited space in our brain with negative thinking and with unhelpful ideas about how things can go wrong. People will sometimes say to me and push back a little bit about that and say, but I kind of want to plan it out. I want to know how badly it could go and that I'll be able to cope with it. And my argument to that is, do you know what? When it happens, stress, the stress reflex will kick in. The at that moment reflex of this is what I want to uh, get past will kick in. We'll be able to use our adrenaline and use all those good things to deal with an absolutely terrible scenario when it happens. But the reality is, most of the time, the scenario will not be bad. It will be good. And I'll talk about this in the next section. There are ways that we can protect ourselves from those bad things happening. Not all bad things, but you know, in the case of our performance, in the case of where our superpower really kicks in, there are things we can do to make it more likely that we're going to have a great outcome. Now, the other thing it can lead to is burnout. And burnout is on the top of people's minds at the moment. You know, we're two years plus into a pandemic. The world is a scary place and people are having to work harder and with fewer breaks and fewer boundaries than ever before and also being adaptable to change. Some kind of hokey-cokey of being isolated and having an illness and going back into the office and being online. It's a lot. It is a lot for people. And to help us protect ourselves from burnout we need to protect our headspace and we don't want to be filling it with practicing the worst case scenario and what's really interesting there is too that actually when we practice something or we allow ourselves allow our brains to go over the worst case scenario we can make something more likely to go wrong because our brain is hearing those words and our brain can be quite rudimentary so if we're saying I don't want to trip up on my words I don't want to stumble I don't want to stutter Our brain isn't hearing, I don't want to. It's hearing stumble. It's hearing trip up. It's hearing go wrong. It's hearing those negative instructions. And an example of this is when we're walking up the stairs. If you walk up the stairs thinking, I don't want to trip, I don't want to trip, I don't want to stumble, you're far more likely to. If you're going down a narrow passageway in a tower or something in the middle of Italy and you're you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is so steep. I don't want to trip. I don't want to stumble. You're more likely to because your brain is hearing that word and it's hearing that almost as an instruction. So be really mindful of what you put in. Another example with that is with toddlers, if they're on a climbing frame, parents can often make the child wobble by saying, be careful, don't fall. Because all that child's brain is hearing is doubt and the word fall. They're hearing the the feelings coming out in in that phrase and they're hearing the word fall. And that is really suggestive to our brain. Instead, with the toddler example, it's much better to talk to the toddler or ourselves, if we're in a similar scenario, about what we can do, about what we can have power over. So for example, you could say, wow, you're holding on so tightly. 
You're so steady. Look at you go. You've got this. And we can use that same logic to ourselves, which will bring me on to the next part about what to do instead of catastrophizing. So I'm going to talk about two major ways you can help yourself and remove catastrophizing from your life and from your purpose-led business. The first is so simple that it almost sounds ridiculous, but it is to stop doing it. Now, this will take some practice because we've taught ourselves to do these things over many, many years. They've become habitualized and it can be really easy to fall into those patterns and to go down a catastrophic wormhole. So we can take this action of stopping catastrophizing in stages and we can notice, first of all, when we're doing it and stop that thought process where it is. So for example, if you're worried to use my Uh, earlier idea about this meeting where you're going to be two minutes late. If we use that as a first try for stopping that catastrophic thinking, we can think, well, hang on, I'm going to stop it at I'm two minutes late for this meeting. And before your brain, or maybe just pull your brain back, if it's already started going down the, the catastrophe route, before that happens, we can say, and I am going to be two minutes late. Just state that fact again and try and leave it there. Don't try and add on ideas that are extra or worse or that impact on things further down the road that day, that week, that month, that year. Don't do that. Instead, try and stay a little bit more in the moment and think to yourself, I'm going to stop that thought. I'm going to hold that thought. Over time, you will find it easier to do this because you'll first of all be noticing catastrophizing more. You'll second of all be stopping it in its tracks and interrupting that pattern. And thirdly, you will be reducing it. You'll be reducing the amount of times it happens by going in to your thought process and interrupting it in this way. The next big insight into avoiding catastrophizing is to go in and do the opposite, to redirect your brain to visualizing the best that can happen, to visualizing the best outcome, to thinking, like I mentioned earlier, about a kind of chain of events that is wholly positive and that is possibly seems unlikely to you. But why is that more or less likely than the worst case scenario? And actually going in and creating a best case scenario, scenarioizing in a positive way can be really, really beneficial. It's not wasted time. It might feel like it's idealistic or it's unrealistic, but actually it can really start to train our brain and practice our brain, give practice for our brain to do the outcome that we most want to happen. So that when we find ourselves in that situation, we've already got a blueprint. We've already got an image in our head of how this could pan out if it goes really, really well. Sometimes this can even be in place of that last minute preparation where you're overthinking and overworking and overdoing everything. You're you're beating yourself up because you're catastrophizing what could go wrong. 
when we visualize things going well, we can often actually reduce the burden of work that we feel we need to do because we're in a better place. We're filling that gap from A to Z that I mentioned earlier with positive ideas, with hope, with belief that we have the skills and the abilities to carry ourselves to a great outcome. So visualizing is incredibly powerful and it's something that I work on all the time with my clients. It can be the most useful and simple of tools, but it can be really, really helpful. And as well as batting away something unhelpful and sabotaging like catastrophizing, it can actually create these great feelings in us. It can give us that confidence and that boost. So I absolutely love visualizing. And as you know, if you've listened to this podcast, I'm not woo. I'm not uh, guided by that sort of manifestation thinking, but I do strongly believe in our superpower and in our ability to imagine and create goals and plans for ourselves. And I see the results of that happening all the time with the clients that I work with. So that's my summary about catastrophizing. One more reminder before I tie up this week's episode is the wonderful Glennon Doyle. And I'm sure I've quoted this many times before, but she says, we can do hard things. And I think that can also be a really helpful motto or reminder when our brain goes into catastrophizing mode. If you're not quite there yet with the positive visualization, you can still interrupt yourself by thinking, I can do hard things. We can do hard things. So I wanted to throw that in as a reminder. If you found this week's episode helpful and you'd like to explore as working together, do click on the show notes in the link, the link in the show notes rather, uh, or send me an email, lucy at lucyorton.com. I'm always delighted to hear from podcast listeners. And thank you so much for checking in this month. I will be back the first Wednesday of May with a brand new episode of the podcast. And I look forward to talking to you then. Or maybe having a self-sabotage breakthrough call with you to talk about you and your business. Until then, have an amazing Easter or whatever it is you might be celebrating in April in your part of the world. And I will be back very soon. Thinking of you and championing your purpose-led business always. Bye for now. Bye for now.